Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. Long ago in England, in 1592, there begins our tale, and all of it is true. Through the whole of London, bubonic late it spread, covering folk in weeping sores and leaving thousands dead. From towns and cities, doctors they did flee, leaving their patients to die in misery. But one brave doctor stayed when all the cowards fled. I thought of him because he was too sick to leave his bed. Fallen made a plague cure and used it on himself, then left his house to raise more Londoners to health. Huzzah! Huzzah! This is episode 231 of The Sausage Factory. In this episode, I'll talk to Jennifer Snyderite of Nyam Nyam Games about their comedy adventure game, Astrologaster. Wait, that name might ring familiar if you listened to last week's show. That's because, as promised, she's back. Only this time, Jennifer is five years older than she was when you heard the episode last time because that was an archive episode of Eleven which I remastered and re-released because in uh, recognition that she's returned to talk about Astrologaster, which is great. But uh, before we delve into that, let's uh, hear what else we've got under Kane and Rince's umbrella. First we have Kane and Rince itself, of course, released on Monday. Uh, next week, as you're listening to this show, um, we have it's Monkey Island 2, the Chuck's Revenge. That is the focus of attention of the uh, Kane and Rince episode and things. Uh, that's a game that came on about 13 discs on the Amiga. I really remember that. I had it on the Amiga, but my Amiga at the time had a hard drive, so all I had to do is install it, and I never had to see those discs again. Then we have Sound of Play on Wednesday, where they celebrate the scores of video games. That's not the rating score, but the musical scores. I do like that joke. I love repeating it every week. I'm sure you do. Two, then on Thursday we have Playwright, where two people called Ryan invent a game based on the ideas shared with them by their listeners. Do check it out. Awesome, awesome show. Now, if you want to find out more about Kane and Rince, what else we do, and uh, pop along to caneandrince.com, where not only you'll find archives of all the podcasts I just mentioned, including the one you listen to now, but also a lively forum. That's right, yes, an active forum in 2019. And there's also blog posts, features, and that kind of thing. I've started writing previews and uh, how can I put it? impressions, I should say, of games I've played at both Rezd and PAX East. Uh, it's interesting, PAX East. Mentioning that, I've just booked my hotel for PAX West. So it's coming ever closer. So it's very exciting. We also have a Twitch stream uh, every Thursday, which we Try to do every Thursday. We set sail on HMS Canaanites and uh, fly off into the mystical Caribbean that is populated by the undead, apparently, in Sea of Thieves. Then on Sundays in the evenings, uh, about 8 p.m. Uh, uh, British Standard Time, Standard Time, Summer Time, um, we uh, have a variety show where I actually stream uh, games that may be linked to Canaanites and maybe not. Uh, it all depends on what they're 
they're playing. I'm not streaming um, this week. I'm, I'm streaming this week, but it won't be Monkey Island 2. That I just you don't stream adventure games. Well, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, for for a stream like that, a variety stream. So I don't. But there are other streamers that do do that, but not not, not me. But uh, yeah. So if you want to chuck us some money in recognition of the work we do and the product we produce, product terrible thing. Uh, content. There you go. Content. Something the Sea of Thieves doesn't have. Uh, then you can. You can go along to Patreon and subscribe for one US dollar a month. And if you do so, if you do that, not only will you get extra content in the form of additional podcasts, but also extended editions of Kane and Rince. Not only that, you get it a week early. So what are you waiting for? That's right. Hit that subscribe button. That'd be great. Anyway, enough about that. Let's listen to Past Me. Hello. Jennifer. Chris. Who are you and what do you do? <laughs> I am a uh, independent game developer yeah. uh, based in London in the UK. Yeah. I am uh, by a trade a programmer designer. Uh, and uh, so that's what I did the first five years of my career. Right. And so for the last eight years, I've been an independent developer doing all sorts of things, <laughs> programming, designing, business development, accounting, wow. and a recently creative direction on uh, my new game, Astrologaster. Yeah. There you go. Now, uh, listeners may be aware that I asked this, Jennifer this question last time she was on, which is in 2014, February 2014. Here we are five years later uh, to talk about Astrologaster. Uh, as opposed to Tengami, which is also an excellent game, uh, made by Nyam Nyam Games, which is a great name for a developer. And um, if you want to know, uh, but we normally, you know, regular listeners will know at this point, I'll ask Jennifer, you know, how did she make her start and that kind of thing, what influences are and all that sort of stuff. It's absurd, because we've done that already. <laughs> um, although we could ask um, sort of tangently, what do you believe is the biggest influence in the creation of a Astrologaster? So let's do that. Let's, let's have a bit of fun with that, because clearly you're influenced by something that drove you to make this. What, what, what do you think? What was the thing that said, oh, there's a thing I could pursue? What, what made you do that? So it's a it's a bit it's a bit of a longer story. I try I try to I try to keep it short. So um, you got time because you know we're not asking. You have much. time, okay. yeah. Because I mean, this first half of the show normally we bang on about your your origins and just, we've done that. So knock yourself out. <laughs> so about I think three years ago, I was invited to attend a workshop in Cambridge. Uh, where kind of like um, game developers met with uh, scientists. And at this workshop, I met a uh, professor uh, of history from the University of Cambridge by the name of uh, Lauren Cassell. And uh, Lauren Cassell had for the last 25 years um, been studying and uh, digitally archiving the casebooks uh, of a man called Simon Foreman. Uh, Simon Foreman, who's also the protagonist of Astrologaster, fancied himself a doctor, uh, you know, at the time of Shakespeare. So, he, uh, And he practiced from uh, 1592 until 1609 uh, in London and Lambeth. And uh, what is uh, very fascinating about Simon Foreman 
is that he left behind, like him and his disciples, left behind 80,000 records of people that they treated, medically treated, uh, via medical astrology. And uh, so at this workshop, Lauren explained about her research. And um, like immediately I thought that it would make uh, kind of like a great story-based game just to dig into these, you know, dig into these case books, like find out who are these patients that came to him. Why did they, you know, why did people decide to go to a medical astrologer rather than, you know, what was the um, the, the regular um, kind of like a medical establishment at the time? Um, and so I didn't do anything with so I did some research like I went to the website uh, you know Lauren's uh, departments uh, they have a website for Simon Forman and it's the, the the casebooks project but I didn't really do anything with it for for a year but I have to say that I kept coming back um to this kind of like to this idea of kind of like what is what was the medical encounter like you know in Elizabethan England compared to nowadays but maybe more importantly, what are the similarities? Um, and at the time, so this must have been, yeah, two or three years ago, maybe two and a half years ago, I kept uh, coming uh, kind of like, um, I kept finding stories in the news of people who were, um, you know, like terminally ill or chronic and also, you know, people who were chronically ill and they went to kind of like um, unlicensed medical professionals because they thought that could help them. And that that made me think that there are a lot of similarities kind of like in what is happening nowadays in medicine, you know, kind of like the politics of medicine to what was happening back in the day with Simon Foreman. And I thought that there is a kind of like that there's something, you know, really kind of like really unique that we can look at by, you know, by looking at these patient records from the from the from the Elizabethan era and kind of, you know, like analyzing them and sifting through them to see what are the differences and what are the similarities with now with, you know, with modern medicine. Uh, on top of that. Si uh, Simon Foreman, uh, he, he was quite the character and lived a very kind of like interesting, interesting life. So he was uh, a very, he's actually a very unlikable character. And I think that's also coming through in the game. Like he stalked a number of his, um, of his female patients. So there's like, um, he's like the archetype of a, you know, a misogynist. Uh, he was because he was contemporary to Shakespeare. He went to a lot of Shakespeare plays, and he wrote these scathing reviews of Shakespeare plays in his uh, in his notebooks, which reminds me of. With, so he was kind of like you know like a, the, an angry redditor. <laughs> that's how that's how I started describing him wow. to people. So I always like I always basically looking at his life, not just his work, but also his life, the kind of man that he was. Again, I saw a lot of similarities to what is happening nowadays, especially in online communities, you know, like in the way, in the way um, that people, especially men, behave. 
So we're talking about Elizabethan edgelord. It's great. Yes. Or oh, in the game, you know, Elizabethan. What's the, what's the, what's the, what's the, what's the word in the game? Shutlords. Even shutlords. <laughs> you know, it's quite funny because you're playing a protagonist who is essentially. I'm going to use the word. Be very delicate here because you know we don't like. He's mm-hmm. insufferable. If I may, he is. It's just he's a, yes. he's a, he's, a, he's an idiot. But he's also a victim, right? Yeah. Because he's a victim of class. He really wanted to go to medical school, yeah. but his family was too poor. Yeah. And so he went into um, service of, um, you know, like a rich man. And this man promised him, you know, if, if you're my servant and my assistant, um, I will pay for you to medical school. But in the end, like he was betrayed and that didn't happen. And so he is also, you know, he's also kind of like a victim uh, of his kind of like of his social class. And life hasn't always been good to him. And so he's also, in a way a self a self made man. No, it yeah. doesn't. But, all that, he's <laughs> but a I think that's the, that's the human angle on him. That's what makes yeah. him humane. Right? Why we why we can some somewhat sympathize with him. Oh yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of topical talk about him relating to people and exercising empathy, even though they're just horrible um <laughs> but i won't go into details about or incompetent or just just terrible people and you go well you know they they, they are you know suffering a bit and you've got to give some give some hint. no but anyway <laughs> uh that's a whole debate for another time but you're right there is aspect there's no there's no black and white uh as far as humanity is concerned um generally he is a reprehensible human being however he is quite interesting and also he does have some empathy. He does want to help, even though what he's doing isn't, generally speaking, because <laughs> uh, it is all absurd. But then again, this is pre the Enlightenment. It's just before it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't not too long before the Enlightenment arrives, but it's before it, and uh, therefore the concept of cause and effect did not exist. <laughs> they didn't really understand that cause and effect, um, so. They didn't seriously. Fascinating stuff, <laughs> you know. Um, but... So that's uh, that's actually uh, just to come back to your question. There's a third aspect to this, and so the third aspect are the people that came to him. Yeah. Because so a lot of the history that I learned when I was in school was kind of like the history of famous people, you know. Yeah. Uh, the generals, uh, the queens, and the kings, and you don't really hear much about people um, like you and I. And uh, that's what I what I also really like about uh, the Simon Foreman case books is um, that it's people from all classes at the time. You know, he had um, he had some he had some famous clients. He had some uh, aristocratic clients, but I think most were kind of like middle uh, kind of like middle class and also low like you know low class people. Mm. And the, his case books uh, give you this kind of like. A very you know very selective view it's a given you know it's a very specific moment in time that this person is coming and they are sharing something very intimate or something that is to me very intimate because I feel like when you're going to the doctor like you're sharing a lot of kind of like vulnerable information right yeah yeah uh, about like what is going on with you and that obviously raise, raises questions with, okay, so all of these, these these medical records are basically public. And yes, these people are dead now. But like, how would I feel about if my medical records were suddenly available online for everyone 
to read through. No, Statue of Limitations. <laughs> <laughs> and so these are really just the three aspects why I kept coming back to Simon Foreman and his story. Yeah. And then it was pretty simple. Uh, I was uh, on vacation in Miami Beach, and I sat on the and uh, I sat on the beach, and I said, "Oh yeah, I think, I I think I want to turn his story and his patience, and you know the 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 Elizabethan medical encounter into a video game that is a comedy game that makes fun of politics, medical politics, gender politics." Um, and draws comparisons, you know, between what was happening in Elizabethan England to what is happening nowadays. That's right, because many people sort of cite, you know, fiction, fantasy, science fiction certainly as the as a mirror on current contemporary. But what you've done is like, yeah, that's true. However, <laughs> what if you took a piece of actual history and turned it into a video game whilst making it funny? Hey, how about that? <laughs> God, so, yeah, it's just well described. It, it's just like this is a terrible, terrible idea. But it, it's far from that. You know, it's what what we've made here is something quite exceptional. Um, but before we delve into it, as you've expired, you've expired, explained your uh, inspiration of why you did it, and really, it's about the human condition. That's what it's about, along with making people laugh at the same time at themselves. And how they act. I was also laughing at uh, the, the situations that Simon gets himself into, uh, because it is a bit of a farce, to say the least. Because um, <laughs> he, he does like the ladies, that's what he said. Um, he does, and he did. Uh, the game actually understates how much he likes the ladies. Yeah, it's quite, <laughs> he breaks every rule in the book. But then again, he never took the Hippocratic Oath. Well, he might have done eventually, but anyway... <laughs> Um, a few years before his death, he did, yes. <laughs> when he got his medical license. He does, yeah. But, before... but I mean, I have to say, there can be a lot of things said about him. I think he took the medicine very serious, and he took the astrology very serious. Oh, yeah, because... Um, not... a, lot of, a lot of people who hear about the concept think, oh, okay, so it's this charlatan who pretends oh, no, no, no. astrology. Yeah. But the real Simon Foreman, he took the astrology very seriously, and he considered his methods superior to yeah. those of other doctors. Yeah, this is pre-enlightenment. Again, I've yes. said that again. So you got You can't. It's difficult to us project back that far because the way of science and thinking and, you know, again, cause and effect, didn't apply. I didn't understand it. The scientific method didn't exist. <laughs> so we, we're living in a world like that. But Simon Foreman was accidentally scientific he because was. I think he was the first doctor that yeah. we know of that that kept medical records. Yes. And he was ridiculed for that uh, at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, there it is. Anyway, as I'm trying to get on to the last part of the first half, because we're mm -hmm. going to get there, is I have to ask this question, as you and I know, because it's a podcast about video games, therefore I have to ask this question. What are you playing right now? It's always the most difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, out with it. On. What, am I, what am I playing right now? <clears throat> let, let me check. Uh, six ages. Six ages on my iPad. Six ages. Enlighten us mm -hmm. as to what six ages is. It's uh, uh, kind of like... 
so it's it's kind of like it's the spiritual sequel to I hope I'm not misremembering the name uh, King of the Dragon Pass and it's basically a narrative game that is also a very deep strategy game it doesn't really fall into any kind of conventional category um yeah, it's very interesting. Is it inspired by like RuneQuest or something? Or am I getting that wrong? I, think mm, I don't think so. Like, yeah. It might be. But I mean, it's genuinely, it's very, uh, it's, it's unique. It's very niche, uh, it's, isn't it? I've heard of it's, it's, Yeah, it's very, yes. it's very niche. And it takes a very long time to get into it. Right. And to yeah. understand it. The, le- the, le- the learning curve is quite high. Yeah. Um, but I think people who like, you know, s- stuff like Civilization... And are open to kind of like, you know, trying like a very different spin on something like Civilization should check it out. Yeah. Yeah. And it is on uh, iOS. It's a tablet game only. It's not a, not a computer game at all. It's a but, it's, but it's coming to uh, Kitfox are porting it to uh, uh, Steam and I think also Android. Hmm. Lovely. Um, yeah, I'm feigning ignorance. So I know about this game quite a <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm just. I took a deep breath. Like, oh, you're playing the sequel to, uh, yeah. Wow, yeah, it's amazing. Very, very, uh, very niche, niche title. And uh, but yeah, it's it is one of my favourites on on the on the old iPhone or iPad. Um, works better on the iPad, I think. But um, depends on the size of the screen of your phone. But anyway, no, that's a good choice. And you're right, narrative driven, four X game. Who'd have thought it? Um, there's not a lot of games like that. I mean, Parrot, um, I mean, Stellaris that tries to do that, but yeah, <laughs> doesn't quite pull it off, especially in the mid game. Like, was oh, that it? Yes. But anyway, no, good choice. Good choice. Anything else? Or we should we move on to the second half? So, this is a bit of a cop out, but because we finished the game. You know, May, it's the May 2nd, we released the iOS version, May 9th, <laughs> the Steam. And then after the week after we did Itch, the week after Humble, I didn't have the time to actually play anything. But right. I can tell you what's on my playlist. Oh, cool. So I did I did buy the Resident Evil 2 remake oh, you did? Last, okay. last year. Okay. But I haven't had any any free time to play it, so it's on my playlist. Uh, plus, I also I really want to play uh, Heaven's Vault by Inca. Yes, they've been on the show. You know this anyway, because uh, the Inca people are my friends too. Uh, and uh, yeah, Heaven's Vault. There's a game you should play. Uh, um, fantastic uh, experience, really is very thought provoking. It's all about again similar to Stolagast. It's about human condition, only in a very different. Different way of looking at things. So yeah, you'll you'll have fun with that. Uh, so, Devin ends the first half. Bit unorthodox than usual shows, but as I said, Jennifer's been on before. We've had return guests. In fact, you're the third return guest in recent weeks. I think what happens is over the years, people have oh, made another game. Oh, there you go. You come back on again and chat about it. So here it is. Um, so let's move on to the second half where we delve deep into Astrologasta. But wondering doctors stayed when all 
promise plaid Might come to me because he was too sick to leave his bed Fool made a plague to unuse it on himself Then left his house to raise this in two or three sentences if you can please tell us what is Astrologaster okay Astrologaster is a a story driven comedy game in which you take on the role of uh, Dr. Simon Foreman Uh, you fancy yourself a medical doctor at the time of Shakespeare and you have uh, I think 13 clients who come to you between five and seven times And the clients come to you with uh, personal, professional and medical problems. And you're trying to help these clients by uh, doing astrology or reading answers in the stars. There are up to three answers in the stars. And depending on what you choose, there are different short-term and long-term consequences. You have a loose overarching goal of trying to win a medical license because the London medical establishment is calling you out as a quack and saying that you don't know what you're doing. They are, and there, there is. We don't want to spoil it too much, and it is possible to spoil this game, everyone. Um, but he does get rather scared, Mister Foreman, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> very scared very, of the doctors. Yeah. Very scared of the doctors. Not so much of the um, the partners of the women he he um, <laughs> he <laughs> he, uh, he gets very close to, shall we say? But um, yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he's more scared. He has many services. <laughs> Clearly. He has many medical services. Yes. Sexual health is also one of them. Yes, apparently so. Um, 
Well, it's a very succinct way of putting it. We're going to delve now into the design questions I have based on my experience with Astrologaster. And there's going to be some aspects that we haven't touched upon yet, everyone. I know we delve deep into the background and inspiration about how the game came about, and that's great. Uh, but my first question is related to what Jennifer delved into about the amount of research that she, she did for Astrologaster and her team, of course. And that definitely forms the backbone of Astrologaster. And what what's, intrigues me is that this is based on truth at these things, as far as we can recollect, as far as we know, but assuming what, what Simon wrote was true, and his team wrote was true, let's just make an assumption there, um, is based on true you know, actual facts. Here, but yet here you are, quote unquote, you said earlier, let's base a video game and create a story uh, based on this information. Now what I want to ask you is, how did this influence the design of the story? Uh, how can I put it? How did you model the story against the story of the Stolagaster against what actually happened? How did you find that? Where you're dealing with facts. These are things allegedly they were pretty detailed, so they probably did happen, uh, versus the story you were trying to tell. Um how did you go about designing that, if you can describe it for us? Yeah, so um, uh, Catherine Neal uh, wrote the game, and she was also uh, the lead narrative designer. But so the way, you know, what we what we discussed, uh, what the two of us discussed was that we wanted to follow certain stations uh, of Foreman's life. And these stations were when he uh, started moving to London, which was in 1592, and uh, kind of like loosely follow his uh, his life story until I think 1609, and kind of like hit on um, what we considered his main conflict, and that was the fact uh, that he didn't have a medical license, um, and because of that was prosecuted and thrown into jail several times uh, by the College of Physicians. So he had this professional struggle and uh, that we that we wanted to show and you know the I mean it's coming through in the game as well. I don't want to spoil too much, but the doctors sent spies to him, you know, they were spying on him. They they called him before uh, the College of Physicians and they tested him on his medical and astrological knowledge. Uh, and they threw him into jail every time and said that his astrology was bad. And so we definitely wanted to follow his life, but we also uh, kind of like left out a few things. So uh, Simon Foreman was actually married and had kids with his wife. The wife does not make an appearance. Uh, then the second thing that we wanted to uh, bring in was um, a client that you meet very early on um, by the name of Avis Allen. Uh, Avis Allen, as far as we know, is uh, the love of Foreman's life you know, based on his own writing. And her story, again, I don't want to give too many spoilers, um, is, is very interesting. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much I can spoil it. But no, so no, we, no, also, we, we, definitely, we definitely wanted to show his relationship um, with Avis Allen. So you took nuggets of his, say nuggets, there's more to that. And it's terrible to break someone's story, life story down to nuggets in quotes. But facets key elements key things mm -hmm. important turning points of his life that's better 
Thanks, Chris. Yes. And uh, turned it into a narrative. And so this is the narrative uh, for Foreman. And the narrative for Foreman is relatively uh, linear uh, because, you know, we want to hit certain, uh, you know, certain points home about him. And then we have the patience. And the patience is a mixture of um, his real clients. Uh, for example, um, for people who will play the game, Thomas Black and Alice Black were his real clients. And the game uses what we know about them from their interactions and consultations with Foreman and fictionalizes that. Uh, Emilia Lanier, the, you know, the feminist poetess, was one of his clients. And we'd, we'd wanted to uh, to uh, also have her in. And then, so, and this comes back to kind of like what I said earlier, that we were satirizing, you know, a medical politics, but also political events, gender politics of the now and then. And so this is then how we um, kind of like arrived at certain other storylines. Um <laughs> The the third the third aspect is that we were looking at important historic events at the time. So, for example, you know the the Spanish the Spanish Armada, the gunpowder plot, and the, these are basically the three kind of like the three strengths that we that you know Catherine wove into the narrative. Okay. Yeah, it's um, it's, it's best way you could do it because you had a vast vast amount of information that you could have done all sorts of things but you're mm -hmm. right there were those 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 plot points if you will those things uh that were explained more about simon and also the times he lived in and the kind of things that the you know what would you do in this situation if you were the simon well not that i know but maybe mm. <laughs> we, we also we had a real advantage because uh, lauren cassell yeah. You know, the professor that I mentioned earlier, uh, she was with us during the whole production of the game. Mm. And she was, you know, we were talking to her, like, what do you consider to be, you know, very typical encounters, very typical cases? Can you send us, you know, links to mm -hmm. cases that we should look at? Um, what were kind of like more unusual ones? Um, you know, is there stuff, you know, we, we, get, we gave her very specific questions. Are there things uh, about diabetes? in the case books. And she she suggested a lot of things to us, but she was also a, you know, a database for us to kind of like to ask questions. Right. So for example, uh, everything, uh, like kind of like, I think, let's say 99% of the diseases and the cures in the game uh, are coming from, a, from an actual database that uh, Lauren's team created for us okay. where it had the, you know, the old, the old name of the disease. What is the current name of the disease? If the disease is still, you know, it still exists today or is still recognized today. And what would be the, the cure that Foreman gave? Right. And so we very heavily leaned uh, on Lauren and her team and you know the 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 historical informations that they could give us to make the game richer right and also you know hist you know histor historically uh, historically accurate yeah on top of that there was a um, sign of process so Catherine would uh, write you know the scripts 
And then um, there was a, a three-step sign-off process. We had a, co a copy editor, um, you know, Shira Lee Sol, uh, who read it. I did. I did read it. So uh, Shira Lee was looking at it, you know, from a um, well, as a copy copy editor, you know, making sure that everything is kind of like consistent with the styling. I was looking at it uh, to make sure that everything that's in there works with the gameplay. And then we had Lauren who went through it really with a fine tooth comb and she kept coming back to us and said, oh, you know, back in the day, they wouldn't have said it like that. Uh, so, for example, in the game, if you're pregnant, it will always say this child. And this is because of something, you know, that that Lauren said to us when we're talking about pregnancies or when we when you when the player is telling women that they are pregnant and woman uh, Lauren was saying, you know, um, you need to use this phrase with child. And she really had a lot of impact on a lot of the details that I think make the game like very rich and very believable. Yeah, yeah, because uh, back then people didn't even know about certain basic sexual um, how reproduction actually worked. It's, mm. Didn't know. <laughs> so, I mean, to, to, yeah. I mean, also to give another example. Um, so one of the clients comes to you and she is pregnant and she is unmarried. Yes, and I think there can be the assumption that foremen would be judgmental of that, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's obviously a lot of people are judgmental of uh, you know unmarried women being pregnant, but actually also Lauren gave us a lot of advice for that and said um, you know even though foreman was not is not the nicest person, he actually he always tried to help his clients, and he always you know in cases like this tried to arrange. Uh, mar marriages for them and also try to give them kind of like the medical uh, backing you know let's say you get married and the baby comes three months later people weren't that dumb back in the day either <laughs> even right. back in the day you know that it takes nine months yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but foreman and um i mean he does say that to one of the clients in the game you know and uh whoever you know whoever the man is that you end up marrying it might be worth explaining a few medical things about pregnancy to him, you know, that children can come much earlier than expected. And there, there's like a lot of stories like that where um, really, you know, Lauren looking through the scripts gave us a lot of a really value, uh, you know, gave a lot of really valuable feedback to Catherine, uh, who took all of that feedback you know, yeah. and put and put it back into the story. So it was a the pro the process uh, the process was really enjoyable, yeah, and great to see that evolving. It's again regressing back to a time which is difficult for us to relate to because we live in a world where, um, like I said, um, well, I'd like to think that anyway, but um, where science and understanding and, and cause and effect is understood. And anyway. Uh, well, for most of us, not everyone. Um, second question, then. There is some reliance on a player to read the intentions of those who visit Simon, the doctor I have written here in front of me, in inverted commas. Uh, how do you reflect this in the options of the reading? So, so everyone understands, listeners, um, the way the game works is you, are, you have an exchange, a verbal exchange, between Simon and his client, and uh well, they're called clients they're called oh what are they gives it a cue odd word um help me out here jennifer what are they called the, the... querents yeah, the querents, querents. <laughs> querents yes not, not 
clients. Uh, very strange word. Uh, um, they they would actually have an exchange. You'd figure out what's going on, and uh, you then they have several options, maybe up to three options, and these options are based on uh, astrology charts. You know, the celestial objects in the sky, predetermining. Then you can read from those and then determine various various things. Nonsense, but that's basically what what Simon Fulham is doing. And from that, you can determine, and there's sort of clues about what what's going on. So, um, what I'm asking is, when you do the when you wrote the options, you, you composed these options, you created these options, um, you are relying on the, the reader having some relate can relate or understand or maybe some prior knowledge uh, about the maybe there's a certain there's a certain illness, for example, I knew the symptoms of. <laughs> and you, oh, mm-hmm. I know what that is. <laughs> and lo and behold, oh, one of the options happens to be that of that that ailment. I went, oh, choose that one then. I mean, that that you know, it's that happens. Um, but I just want you to talk us through your design of these options. Basically, that's what I'm getting to is how did you design the options presented to the player? So. It's going, it's going to be it's going to be quite a long answer. Bear with me. So there's a lot there's a lot there's there's a lot behind these options, and the beginning of that is uh, the astrology. So this is maybe not immediately apparent, but every astrological chart in the game uh, has a time. So every consultation in the game has a time and a date associated with it. And the astrological charts in the game have uh, are real astrological charts that show the planetary positions that these planets would 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 have appeared in, uh, you know, at this time and day that the querent is asking the question. So this is so we we are we we are very um, committed to historical accuracy. But we are also committed, because of that, um, or, you know, I decided that, to astrological accuracy or the astrology system. And the game is a, I mean, in the game is a very simplified uh, system of astrology uh, based on the, you know, based on the method that Foreman used. Mm-hmm. And so the there are some questions around that that were that are difficult to answer so the game is a comedy but i don't want to make a comedy game that punches down on something right like i don't want to make a comedy game that's where people say oh this game is funny because it uses astrology and i think astrology is stupid Right. That's not that's that's that was from the very beginning, and I was very clear about that with uh, you know with Catherine that this is absolutely not the type of game that I want to do. I want us to take the astrology as seriously as the history, because the astrology, you know, Foreman's method, Foreman's belief in the astrology, is very intrinsic and tied in to to his life. And his medical practices that that we are portraying in the game. And so once you're doing that, the question becomes, what is it that the stars know? Do the stars 
can you always find the truth in the stars? And if that is the case, should the player be rewarded for that? So Astrologasta is not, for that very purpose, a puzzle game. It's not about finding the true answer. Because actually, a lot of the times, the stars know what the truth is. But there's also many times that the stars don't know that. And this is uh, something that we can also find in his writing, where he was being frustrated and angry with the stars because they gave him bad answers. Uh, and this, you know, it, this didn't shake his belief in the astrology, um, but it was something that he noted, that he, that he definitely noted down. And so in the game, we are trying to be a little bit like Switzerland when it comes to the astrology. Does the astrology work or does it not work? And now let me tie this back to the, to the options. So in the options, there's always an astrological skillful answer. If you knew astrology, then you would, if you were an astrologer or understood the system very well, then you would probably say, okay, I think house B, um, option B is the astrologically correct answer. However, this is not always the best answer because the game is not about finding a best answer in a puzzle sense or in a mathematical sense, but it's finding the best answer for your situation Yes. and for yes. what the client needs. Correct. That's it. <laughs> That's, that, that, there's a rub because astrology is more about correlation, not causation. <laughs> <laughs> and so the the options are basically designed with that in mind so there's always an astrological skillful answer that that answer can have a can have a positive effect for you but not necessarily you basically you need to make a judgment mm. and foreman called his astrological readings he called them astrological judgments and uh, this is what the player needs to do the player needs to make a judgment about what they are saying to the clients. Are they just saying, okay, I'm a good astrologer. I'll just give the answer what I think is the best astrological answer. Or am I applying some intuition to this, you know, and trying to figure out what the client wants to hear? Yeah. However, just always telling people what they want to know, you know, it's not, I'm, I'm as a German, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to promote a game that rewards you for always telling people what they want to hear because this can also just be nonsense. Yeah. So there's a yeah. third element to it, which is a real knowledge that you have. And this is interwoven in the storyline very masterfully through gossip that you hear from other clients. Yeah. So at some point, uh, Nicholas Mack will warn you that a storm is coming. And that information is actually quite important if you want to give a good answer to, to Mary Payne, who asks you about a certain political event that I don't want to name now. Mm. And so are these, there, there are these three concepts of kind of like short-term consequences and long-term consequences. So yes, in the short term, you can tell people what they want to hear and they will be happy with it. But in the long term, they might discover that you actually told them you know, what you told them does not come true. And if your prediction doesn't come true, then that has a negative effect on your relationship with the client. Indeed it does. And the the likelihood of you getting a medical license also plummets as a result. <laughs>
Um, and so it's basically it's navigating all of these things and yeah. I think that's what the ma makes the game interesting and that's what makes it worth to explore the storylines indeed and there's other things that make it interesting which we're going to delve into later but first I've got to ask you about because ultimately I find it Stellagast at its core is a kind of uh, choose your own adventure game like you know you're given options uh, and you have to then choose which option you take, and then the story will unfold for itself, depending on those intricate decisions you made. Uh, and, uh, and I've just noticed that once you make that decision, there's no way to retract. There's no way to step back. At least you may say there is actually, Chris, but I haven't found it. Uh, it's, you seem to be It's a commitment that you make, and then you have to forge ahead. There's no going back. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> why? I know why, but you tell me why. For the audience, I don't know why. Why? So I feel like if if you can just undo your decisions that they're not really impactful or meaningful, mm -hmm. that, like that's how I that's how I see about it. To me, also I kind of like the mindset that I want to put people in is not constantly to optimize everything you know like just go go with the flow go with the story see how it unfolds all of the choices that you make will be funny yeah you know there is there is no i mean there there are bad choices in the sense of you know that the relationship with a client can deteriorate and you don't get the medical license at the end but the but the game will always be funny regardless of what you pick yeah yeah and that's a that's that's a mindset I think also with ten, you know, it's a mindset that I want to put more players in. It's not so much about always, you know, always being best, always opt always optimizing. You know, it's just okay to just go with the flow, just enjoy the moment. Sorry. I mean, Tengami, Tengami was much more a enjoy the moment game than Astrologasta is because Astrologasta, you know, there's a lot of things happening. Also, you know, with the music and the songs that yeah. keeps you entertained. But this, just really, you know, they these are these are your astrological judgments. you it's so you are giving the judgments to foreman, right? So you're right in it in some ways like a choose your own adventure, but the choices are abstracted through the this astrological interface, and they are further abstracted because foreman makes an interpretation of what you chose. Does, so yeah. you can most of the time guess what he's going to say, but I think there's also times where, and this comes then back through to showing his personality, you know, where he makes a certain interpretation that you probably made on your choice that you maybe didn't expect. Yeah. And when you're, he when you're hearing this interpretation, it makes sense that he would say it because of the kind of person that he is, right? Oh, oh yes oh yes oh boy anyway <laughs> I, now we've touched upon it now uh, a couple of times but I think I want to talk about what really struck me and there's something I didn't really appreciate until I got the game and played it by myself because um, it's difficult to hear the sound at the expos that you and I attend uh, you did put headphones on my head uh, that worked to a point but didn't. <laughs> it's still difficult to to make out because the sound production of a Starcaster is incredible. I mean, thank you. Really, 
you, I blew me away how much effort you put into the voice acting, the the diction of every. There's no mumbling. There's every word is the cadence and the the speech and the speed of the speech is brilliant because again they I, I believe and you you had historical uh, history professors and and doctors helping you with this. They did speak this slowly. They really did. <laughs> You know, whereas we go rattling off at five million miles an hour because of reasons. It's it's just how people are these days. And we, if you can get away with saying two or three words, we will, (laughs) rather than 20, you know. um, uh, Whereas, you know, in the time of uh, Simon Foreman, that wasn't the case. And uh, there's lots of flannel, for want of a better phrase, (laughs) lots of uh, adjectives and modifiers. Uh, to words that needn't be there, you know, just get to the point. But it's uh, it's just uh, the singing. It's the singing, Jennifer. The singing. <laughs> I know. I love. I I I love. I love the songs. It's just incredible. I'm just listening to them all the time. It's just incredible sounds of singing and the songs. Sorry, songs. Songs about the the clients that are coming to visit. It's hilarious. It's just so. It's so so funny, and it just adds to the ludicrousness of just what, what's going on. So I have to ask, how on earth did you did this come about? Was it was intentional? Was it just felt like, let we need to do this. We need to really go. You know, go go for it. What, what made you do that? So. We made so many decisions. It's the memory is a little bit hazy, but this is what I remember. <laughs> so, um, uh, Catherine Neal, uh, she, I mean, she wrote the game and narrative designed it, and she also um, is the lyricist uh, for the songs. And so, uh, you know, we had a lot of we, we obviously we always we were always talking about the game. And the structure of the game I had decided on uh, very early. So the structure of the game uh, was always going to be the uh, so uh, the game the game takes place in a pop-up book, and there's a pop-up book page which it shows Simon Foreman's house and a patient, the you know the next patient. Then the page would flip over. There would be a kind of like a, an introductory dialogue between Simon Foreman and the patient. In which they are talking about, you know, why is the why why did the patient come? What happened since the last time they saw each other? And then it would go into the astrological reading in which the player makes that choice. You're flipping over again. You're back in the consulting chambers, and Foreman delivers the answer, and you see, um, you know, you, you see the the patient's reaction. And then you flip the page over again and you see kind of like a summary screen of what just happened and the, the patient, you know, the patient records you can you can go through. And then you flip over and the next patient is there in front of Foreman's house. And this uh, like this flow of the of the game, uh, I decided that uh, really early on. And so we knew f- we knew that we wanted on this, you know, in the scene where the patient is in front of the house to be kind of like an introduction of the patient and kind of like a reminder of what had happened previously. And uh, in kind of like in first prototypes, we had, uh, I think there was just some text, 
you know, so-and-so has come back and this has happened. It was just basically more text. And the game was is already, you know, very text heavy. And so at some, at some point, Kisner and I were talking and she was saying, she must have said something to me. Yeah, sorry, I don't remember all of it. Um, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, Madrigals were really popular. And uh, Catherine, actually, uh, she used to sing Madrigals at weddings. Like that used to be a hobby a number of years ago. And we kept talking about it. And I, and we kind of like both said, oh, yeah, why? What if we had really funny Madrigals that introduced the patients foreshadow what is about to happen but also give you like a reminder of you know what previously happened and we felt that that would be a really great way to kind of like set the pace of the game but also break up these long uh, kind of like um you know cutscenes, and then the text heaviness um, of the astrological reading and then, yeah, we <laughs> decided to do that. And uh, we found, you know, Andrea Bocadoro had already, he was already our composer. Uh, he's also amazing. And then Catherine and Andrea uh, worked on these songs. And the songs only really came together, <laughs> I think, a week before we released. A week before we released, I was still putting in songs uh, because we only started producing them properly, I think, in early February. And we needed uh, four recording sessions in the end. We recorded at uh, Airdale Studios in London. And it was a, uh, I mean, it was a fabulous experience. Uh, I was at three, I was able to go to three of the four recording sessions and seeing the singers, you know, do the songs live and working through them uh, was just amazing. And when it was in the game, you know, the first time we put it in the game, it just perfectly fit. And it added so much to the experience. Yeah. This, li you know, this little song. And uh, yeah. It's just amazing. It just it really just more than the icing on the cake. It's just, I think it's core to the experience. I really do. Because um, you just want to drive on because you want to know what's next bizarre song you're going to hear. <laughs> it's, just, it's like oh my god what's what it's just so incredible it's just like wow so yeah Catherine Catherine did such a brilliant job with the lyrics I knew that she I know that she would do a good job <laughs> but until and then when I read them because I, I had to obviously I had to sign off on all of them and so at first when I read them I was like yeah okay yeah you know <laughs> this reads this reads okay. This reads okay, but I can't. But see I it. only, I only understood how amazing they were, you know, when we went into the studio and I heard the singers. Right. And right. until until then, it was a bit, like I, I mean, obviously, I trust Catherine um, and Andrea, but as somebody who can't read music, and I was just reading the words. I was just like, yeah, the, the words are okay, but how is this? But but how is this going to sound as a song? Yeah. But then I remember, you know, the first song that we recorded was, I think, Nicholas Mack, and I was like, I was so blown away, and I felt, I felt like at that moment, like that we were doing something really special. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's lovely. That's uh, just um, no, thank you and your team for creating some something like that and putting that in. Like you said, you could have just done some Elizabethan sort of quips or little bits of uh, uh, medieval, not medieval, but you know what I mean. Um, no, it's little Elizabethan kind of music, little snippets here and there, and that would have worked as well, but nowhere near as much as this. This really, you know, it's just, it's really, it just, it's a great pairing. It's a great experience, and uh, yeah, to play this game, the sound on everyone, it's just amazing. It also made me actually realize how little we do in games with uh, songs and that there are not many musical games or opera games. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird that. But there it is. <laughs> so, Stolagasta by Yum Yum Games is out now. Uh, platforms, uh, Windows, PC, Mac and iOS and Android. Is that right? Correct. Uh, no, not an Android. Uh, okay. Don't put out this rumor. <laughs> Sorry. Store, I've got, I've got iOS App Store, Mac App Store, Steam and Itch and Humble. Yes. But it is uh I've oh, sorry about the email. Okay. <laughs> but no. Um uh, it's uh it's fantastic on a, a, a great game. Um Jennifer, it's been fantastic having you on again. Well thanks for having me again. Yeah, that's right. And uh, of course you're more than welcome to make a third appearance <laughs> on whatever next game you've got cooking up. You probably already started it, I Surprised if you haven't. And uh, but yeah, thanks in the meantime and uh, yeah, good luck with it. Yeah, speak soon, Chris. Wench be sure to marry, lest he be branded. A witch, if Mary sees you keeping cats against you, she will snitch. Beware of Mistress Mary Pitch, she is a nosy For a hero, Simon, foreman's not a Catholic. He disapproves of Mary for her views, they make him sick. But Brady does not tell her lest she punch him in the punch him in the If you try to argue with her, you will have no luck. She'll twist and turn your logic till your reason comes unstuck. Chastise Mary, who you like, she will not give up. Will not give up. Mary oft takes her young knees to the cockfighting pits. She prefers a hanging, though she readily admits. Viewed after drinking, turnip wine until she's off her Tis well to jest at Mary Paint, tis well to sneer and mock Until her views become the norm, then twill be quite a shock But for now let's laugh at her and how her knees laughs How her knees laughs, la 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 la